Welcome to the Relaunch Your Career podcast. I'm your host, Leah Lambert, career and interview coach and founder of Relaunch Me, where we help you find the work that you were meant to do. Today, I'm talking to Lisa Stockman, who last year made a significant career change from working in corporate to running her own business as a personal stylist. Today, Lisa shares her career change story and her advice for others thinking of leaving the corporate world to pursue their passion. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me, Leah. Um, I'm really excited to have this chat with you because um, it's something that I'm really passionate about is helping other people in their careers as well. Great. Well, look, let's get into it because I've got lots of questions to ask you. Uh, but before we sort of talk about the styling, I'm interested in you sharing your journey working in corporate. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what you did before setting up the styling business? Absolutely. I've, I've had a very mixed bag of a career. I think if I was to describe it um, in airline terms, it would be around the world ticket many times. Um, I started my career when I left uni in sport management and that had been a dream of mine that I, uh, as a child, I thought that I wanted to be an athlete and a fashion designer. Um, And when I studied at uni, I really thought that sport management was a way that I could still be involved in sport. Um, So I did that for a few years and then worked at the Sydney Olympics, which I loved. And then had the opportunity to uh, work in Japan as an English teacher. So I went to Japan for two years. Um, I'd left my career in sport management and decided that I wanted to have that overseas experience in a a different culture. And that was really a fantastic uh, life lesson for me. I realised while I was there that I did love teaching And when I came back, I knew that I didn't want to be a teacher in a school, but I did love training. And so I ended up going back to uni and did my um, graduate diploma in education. And I also did a Cert 4 in training and assessment and ended up working in TAFE, which was a fantastic job for me. I taught event management, diploma of event management at TAFE. I absolutely loved the job and it was a a fantastic role to have um, while I was starting my family. It enabled me to work um, in the evenings and, yeah, I really loved loved that teaching. But I found that, you know, every day the chit-chat in the staff room and with my friends and family was always about fashion. And, you know, I was always the person that uh, would be advising people on what to wear for different functions And then while I was still at TAFE, I got chatting uh, with an acquaintance about opening a boutique and she was really keen. She was in retail at the time and she was really keen on opening a denim store. So after a year of planning together and lots of lunches, we connected and decided to open the business together, which we did in Melbourne. And it was a denim and basic store and our skills really complemented each other. She was very much um, a behind-the-scenes looking at financials and, and things like that, and I was very much on the shop floor being with our customers and, and training our team. 
Um, but the business got to the stage where it wasn't big enough for both of us. And unfortunately, when we opened, it was in the midst of the GFC. So retail at the time was very different to what it is now. Online was just sort of coming into play and, um, you know, the big high street retailers like Zara and Topshop hadn't quite hit, but it was a a very um, tricky retail market. So I ended up leaving the business and got a role with a retail consultancy company and I was writing and delivering accredited training for big retailers like Oriton and Glassons. Uh, that is probably one of my most pivotal roles. I absolutely loved working with retailers and delivering really meaningful training and it combined, you know, two of the things that I love. So, um, but then the company was purchased by the Cotton On Group and we moved to Geelong and at the time that commute for me, you know, three to four hours a day in the car didn't really work with my lifestyle. So, I did a mixture mm. of consulting for uh, in the learning and development space and also for David Jones as a style advisor. So I was still kind of playing in both worlds. Um, eventually went back to the Cotton On Group as head of learning for Typo and, you know, I loved the role, absolutely loved it but and thought that I could do that commute but honestly it was it was really tiring and it took a bit of a toll on the family mm. so my last role was with uh grilled healthy burgers uh and that was to head up their learning and development function and it was a great job in that it was um right next to the kids school i i was able to get more of a work-life balance um and also work with a really cool brand but uh interestingly I had a discussion about a year ago. Someone asked me, what would you do if you won Tats Lotto? And I said that I would start my personal styling business. And so here I am. And did you win Tats Lotto? Uh, I didn't win the money, <laughs> but in a lot of ways I feel like I've won Tats Lotto, which is going to sound really corny, but doing what, I love and has taken me this long to actually really understand that that's what I love to do feels like I've, I've won. It's really interesting that you said that because I often talk to clients about what they would do if they had a year off that you know if they, it was fully paid um, you know it's obviously not realistic for a lot of people but it does give you some ideas about where your true passions and interests lie um, and you've obviously been able to to take that and actually turn it into a business which is great. I you know for most people leaving the corporate world it's a huge decision can you explain what process you went through in order to make this decision and the type of research that you did to ensure that your business would be viable? I think it's a process that was took quite a long time for me. Uh, as I said earlier, I had my boutique and what I noticed when I had that boutique and I was on the shop floor a lot with clients was that there was a real need for people to have help in how to shop. A lot of people don't know what their style is and I would see a lot of clients outside of store hours and go and do their wardrobe. So for me, it's something that started, you know, 11, 12 years ago. But about a year ago, I had a pivotal conversation with a recruiter that uh, 
you know, I, I had a meeting with him and I was considering taking a role for a very um, beautiful fashion brand, global fashion brand to head up their training. And he said to me, Lisa, what, what are you doing? You, you're going from role to role every two years. What is it that you actually really love? What do you want to do? And I said, well, I really want to do my personal styling. And he said, well, what's holding you back? You know, why can't you give it a good go and give yourself a time frame? And that, that conversation for me really pushed me and I think it came at the right time. So I did a lot of research after that conversation into different courses, uh, what sort of education was available in styling. And also I looked at a lot of what competitors were doing in the market in terms of pricing and what they were offering. And I decided to start formulating an idea of if I did start my business, what would that look like? So I guess that's that's where uh, that was part of the process. And then I also looked at things like Mia Friedman's online course called Lady Startup and, you know, looked at some of the business aspects uh, like writing business plans and financials, which I'd done before in my own business, but it had been a, a long time since. Yeah, it's great that you mentioned that because I do find that a lot of people who are keen to go into business, um, you know, they're very comfortable with the actual service they would be offering. But, you know, if you are going to run a business, you do also have to, you know, learn to run a business. And that's, marketing, business development, bookkeeping, technology, IT, website. Um, so there's a lot more to it, isn't there, than just, um, you know, going out and shopping and doing the styling side of it. It's, um, you know, it's all-encompassing. Absolutely. I think the, you know, for me, being with a client is absolutely the easy part. Uh, that The harder parts are the parts that you just mentioned and, you know, one of my, I would say, areas for development uh, is definitely in technology. Many people had said to me, oh, you know, you can create your own website on Squarespace. And I remember spending four days and, and nearly crying because I thought, well, everyone else seems to think this is easy and I just cannot do it and ended up engaging someone to help me with it. But um, you know, you've got to recognise that your strengths aren't across all areas and you need to get help in the areas that you, you need help with. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, when you first start out, you also don't want to spend a huge amount of money on those things until you know that your business is viable. So about balancing all of that, isn't it, when you first, yeah. first start your business. So how did your colleagues, friends and family react when you told them that you were leaving the corporate world to set up your own business? Well, my family, I'm very fortunate. They were really supportive, particularly my kids. Uh, and they said, you know, go for it. We're sick of hearing about it <laughs> because I think I'd talked about it for so long. And it's like, well, you either do something about it or please stop talking about it. You know, friends, you get a mixed reaction. A lot of people if they're worried about you and they're fearful, those, those fears will come out first. So they'll say, have you really thought about this? You know, have you got the money? Are you sure it's going to work? Uh, and, and you do get a few people that say those sorts of things. But 
by and large, you know, anyone that knows me knows that this is what I love to do and have got behind me. That's good to hear. And I mean, you had, had you been styling people on the side? Like, did you, were you doing this as a side hustle since you had your boutique all those years ago, or was it really sort of starting with and having to find clients from scratch? I did have clients from over the last 12 years, but because I never really pushed it as a business and I never had a presence online uh, as a side hustle, although I had had clients and I had a formula of how I work, you know, the hustle had to start and, and that's the hard part. The hustle is the hard part because in personal styling, it's not generally a decision that someone makes overnight that they want to go and see a stylist. You know, it's not like buying a product that is tangible. It's something that often people ruminate over for months. So, you know, you need to be in there and hustling. Do you find that there are, you know, that there are certain events that people, that brings them to look for a stylist or is it returning to work after having a baby or what are the common patterns for why people might engage a stylist? I think it's definitely life change. So that might be someone's just got divorced and they're out on the dating scene. Someone's re-entering the workforce that they've been out for a long time, uh, maybe put on weight, lost weight, surgery. You know, it, it tends to be when someone has, you know, faced something in their life and they've lost their confidence. And, and that's really, um, you know, most of my clients experience that. You do get some people that will come to you because they have a significant event. Um, I styled someone for the Australian Cricket Awards that was in February and I do a lot of weddings and, you know, ceremonies, things like that. But generally speaking, someone will come to me when they need, you know, that lifting confidence and they're, they're sick of being in a style rut. And I just want to mention, you You mentioned briefly about people who are returning to work after a long break and you know, a lot of our clients in that category. Um, and I do find that, you know, the work outfit has changed a lot over the last decade. What sort of comments would you make about, you know, what people find is different when they're returning to work after a significant break? Yeah, so I think what happens is people look at their wardrobe and the the clothes that they used to wear to work, whether it was five, ten years ago, just don't serve the purpose anymore. And it used to be a lot easier. Uh, I, I think that in the corporate space, you know, ten or so years ago, everyone would just wear a suit, and you'd go to a country road or a David Jones or Roger David, and you'd buy the matching jacket and pants. But now there are so many different work dress codes. And also so many industries that didn't exist, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So the lines are really blurred about what to wear to work. And I know that people re-entering the workforce just think, well, what is the work wardrobe? And particularly in this time in COVID and, and how the workplace is going to look once we emerge, I think it will be uh, even more blurred because people will be working more from home, working remotely, and, you know, how do you still present yourself in the best possible way in that circumstance? So that's definitely what, what I'm seeing in terms of work dressing. 
Interesting. And Lisa, can you tell us a bit more about your styling business and the different services that you offer? Sure. I mean, I, I think the thing about styling is it's it's such a varied career. You know, you can style for runway, you can style for editorial, but my where I see my passion is definitely working either one-on-one with someone or in corporate groups. So when I'm one-on-one with someone, usually that starts off with a wardrobe edit and that's when I go into their home and really talk to them about what the style is, finding their style really, and then reorganising their wardrobe, getting culling the things that don't work for them anymore and then focusing them on where their gaps are that will help them meet their style goals. And so for some clients that's, you know, they then go off and, and shop on their own Whereas with other clients, I will then do a personal shop with them. And that that's a great experience because I do all the legwork. So before I meet with them at a shopping centre or at a high street, I go and put everything on hold for them so that then when they meet me, there's no browsing. It's just they're trying things on and I'm putting things together for them. Um, and then... I also do, as I said, event styling. So whether that's for a wedding or a ceremony, um, that sort of thing, I will put together a look for them for that particular aspect. And then a growing part of my business is the corporate side. So I work with outplacement agencies, with companies that have graduate programs, and I help groups of people uh, looking at what they dress for work. So Um, And sometimes that's the company initiating it. So if it's a graduate program, for example, it might be people coming through from uni and they don't know what to wear to work. So it's supporting them in that. Do you find that uh, Casual Friday causes some confusion around what is appropriate to wear in the workplace these days? I think Casual Friday is the funniest thing ever because it's so confusing and you know I think that some people really let their whole work persona drop on a Friday because they'll they'll come in in active wear and you know it's one thing to be comfortable but I think your personal brand is really important and so what you wear on casual Friday is just as important as what you wear every other day and I don't know about you, Leah, but I know that if I'm working from home, if I'm sitting in my pyjamas or a tracksuit, I'm just not in the right headspace to do work. So I think Casual Friday can be quite tricky for people, but I would always say, you know, it's better to be slightly overdressed than underdressed. Mm. And look, it's very, it's funny now with um, COVID, I find that, you know, I do put jeans on <laughs> for, a, uh, for a work call. Um, and sometimes I even spray a bit of perfume, and I, which I think is quite, you know, it's just ridiculous. But when you're not even meeting them in person, but it's just the habit that you get into. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's so funny. I've been on many Zoom calls where you can see that someone's wearing, you know, their trackies or um, and, and you sort of feel like you're invading their personal space a bit. But I think, you know, wear what makes you feel confident um, and in the right mindset to do work. So, Lisa, can you tell us what really energises you about working as a personal stylist? What are the best parts? 
Well, that's easy. I think the best part is when you have a really great conversation with someone and you find out what style it is that they would love to embody. And then when you are in the fitting room with them and they see themselves for the first time absolutely, you know, living that style and they look at themselves and they can't believe that that's them. And to me, that gives me goosebumps every time. And, you know, often I'll be standing in the fitting room with a client and they've got a tear in their eye. And that for me is the absolute joy is seeing someone, you know, the essence of their beauty it comes out. I love that so much. Um, I also really do love clothing, apparel, retail, fabrics. I love seeing what designers come up with and how creative people can be. And that, you know, really in clothing, you can display any personality you wish. You know, some days you could be a biker chick, the next day you could be corporate, you could be a guy who's, you know, one day looking preppy and then the next day looking grungy. I love what clothing can do for people. So every job has its downsides. What would you say are the more challenging aspects for, you know, particularly for someone who is perhaps thinking of getting into personal styling? I think the challenge is you need to be really realistic about how many clients you need to sustain your business. And, you know, if you think that your business is going to be just word of mouth and they'll be ticking in over and over, it's, it's pretty naive. I think the hard part is the hustle and, you know, it's, it's day in, day out. You can't stop with that. And for me, one of the challenges has been social media and putting yourself out there. You know, when you have a website or you have an Instagram or Facebook page, and it's your business, you know, you need to be able to stand by exactly what you put out into the world every day. And sometimes, you know, that can be a bit relentless posting every day and, you know, writing meaningful content every day can be challenging. Um, but that hustle is day in, day out, and you need to be prepared for that. I completely agree. And, I, you know, I have worked with stylists in the past who have gone and done a course and then really just expected the clients to start flooding in but you're so right without the hustle and putting yourself out there it's you know you might um, get a a bit of word of mouth referrals but it, it won't be sustainable will it no and I think you have to really be prepared to to build relationships with people because as I said you know, for, for people to decide that they want a stylist doesn't just happen from seeing one post or seeing one article. It's often a process that can take someone months and you have to be prepared that, you know, the clients won't just come in through word of mouth. Having said that, though, it is a great business that you could do as a side hustle for someone who likes the idea of styling but perhaps needs to have a day job to maintain a consistent income? I think that's where most stylists start out is that they they have a permanent part-time job or they have a full-time job and they start it on the side. And I think that's a great way to start because you're still pursuing the thing that you love, but you've got the security of the income on the side. And then if you can see that your business is building and building 
then you compare back your other work. So I think that is the ideal way to start. And Lisa, what what are your thoughts or advice on someone um, who is interested in styling in terms of actually going and studying a styling course? Well, I can say that I, even though I'd been styling for 11 years, I went, I did a lot of research on courses and I found a course at the Australian Style Institute in Melbourne. And I have to say it was one of the best things that I've ever done. Um, It really solidified in my mind what I was doing was the right thing. And I think you never stop learning. And so even if you go to a course and you pick up, you know, half a dozen um, great tips for your business, it's half a dozen tips you didn't know before. And I think it's a good way of really understanding whether this is the career that you want. So I did my Masters of Professional Styling with them and that was over three different courses and I just found it invaluable also for the community that you are exposed to and it it just builds your network as well. So uh, I'm so glad that I did that course. And I know some styling courses are quite broad in terms that they might include fashion, property styling, event styling, interiors, etc. Was the course that you did, was that just focused on styling for fashion or was it more, you know, broader than that? Well, it was in three parts and you can do the, uh, the parts individually. The first part was focused on personal styling, which was a five-day course The second part was uh, an advanced creative and that was learning about editorial styling. And the reason that I did that part of the course was because I knew it wasn't really a strength of mine, but I needed to understand how to style for uh, magazines and editorial. And the reason for that is I think that you should be open to any opportunity and the more knowledge that you can gain, you know, even if it's something you don't think you might, your business might take you. You never know if it, if it will or won't. And I wanted to learn more about um, how styling translates uh, onto camera because if I was going to help corporates style for LinkedIn photos uh, and, you know, corporate marketing material, I, I needed to know the ins and outs of that. So that's why I did that part of the course. And then another part of the course was the master section and that was more about delivering corporate workshops uh, and, you know, workshops for big groups of people on styling. So that's why I did the three parts and I found them, you know, I learned something in every part and it's been beneficial to my business. So, Lisa, having um, had quite a lot of experience now working in styling, what sort of advice would you give someone who is thinking about starting their own styling business? I would say absolutely speak to people who are already doing it. So have have coffees or Zooms with people, ask lots of questions. I think being curious is really important. You know, um, you need to have an attitude of gratitude as well. Be thankful for people who give up their time to you. I think find out about people's challenges and their wins and be really honest to yourself about, you know, what are the struggles that you have? I know for me, accounting is not something that I'm great at. So I seek help in the areas that I struggle in. 
So really educate yourself and whether it's doing a course formally, um, I volunteer at things like fashion shows and to help other stylists on photo shoots. I find that that builds my network, but also you learn so much from that. Uh, and think about what avenue of styling you're interested in. You know, if you're a creative person, it might be that you want to do editorial. Uh, for some people, they really want to work with celebrities and, and do runways and, you know, things like award ceremonies. So how can you get involved in that? And often that is contacting stylists that are already in that field. And I think it's really important to... Um, have contacts with retailers too. You know, go into stores, find out the things that sell, find out what's on trend. And, you know, there's so much available online that's free that you can access. So never stop learning and um, be open to volunteering as well. Lisa, there's some absolute pearls of wisdom in there and I love um, the idea of being curious. I think it's something that's really important and I talk to clients all about that. You know, it's not just looking for the answer, it's just being curious and keeping an open mind and then, you know, often the answers will come. Yeah, I, I think so and, and don't be afraid to reach out to people. The worst thing that can happen is someone doesn't call you back or email you back or says no, but there are so many generous people out there with their time, particularly in COVID. I think it's been a really valuable opportunity to be able to network with people. And you, you'll find that most people do want to help. And if I, you know, if, if I have people contacting me that uh, are in fashion school or styling school, and I would always give up my time for someone who shows curiosity and interest. Can I just ask one more question? Oh, actually, I'm going to ask two more questions. Um, the first one is for someone, like you mentioned before, someone who is interested in working in television or with celebrities, et cetera, would they need to build a folio of some type to try and get their foot in the door? Yeah, that's the hard part. I think it's a bit of a chicken and an egg because if you approach someone and you say, you know, I'd really like to work with you, that person might say, well, what, what have you already done? And if you haven't done anything, that can be quite tricky. So what I would say to someone is if you were interested, for example, in editorial styling and you don't want to go into a styling course or you can't afford to do so, be creative at home. You've got a phone, you've got a camera on your phone that's amazing put some outfits together that you already have yourself and start taking some pictures. Take some styling pictures yourself, um, photograph your friends. I know lots of young people that I did the course with were doing that and they would, you know, buddy up with photographers that, you know, they would do like a contra deal, you know, I'll style you if, if you take some photos for me and they would build their folio that way. So I think if you're really passionate about it, there's always an answer and there's always ways around, even if it feels like, you know, you, you don't have the money. There's always ways around it. That's great advice, Lisa. Thank you. And finally, if someone is keen to book an individual styling session with you or to engage you to run a corporate program, how can they find you? 
Sure, Leah. Well, I have my website, which is lisastockman.com.au um, and I'm on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn and on all my socials and my contact details. So uh, if you have any questions at all, I'd love to hear from you. Fantastic. And I'll, of course, put those in the show notes. Well, Lisa, thank you for joining me. It's been really lovely to talk to you. And I think you've provided so many great tips for someone who's interested in styling and, you know, starting out in their, in this career. So really appreciate your time and uh, best of luck for the rest of the year. Thanks so much, Leah. It's been great speaking with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Relaunch Your Career. If you did, please subscribe, share with your friends, leave a review or connect with us on social media at Relaunch Me Career Consulting. If you have any questions about the episode or the work that we do, then contact us via the website relaunchme.com.au. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.